What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. They've been called the thunder from down under. ACDC's electrifying brand of hard rock is as much a trademark as their guitar player's schoolboy uniform. Brothers Angus and Malcolm Young found a soul brother in Bon Scott, a pint-sized wild man with an outsized voice. With Bon up front, ACDC rode to rock stardom on a high-voltage highway to hell. The band reeled in the wake of their singer's sudden death. Devastated but determined, ACDC buried and then replaced a legend. ACDC's musical tribute to their fallen frontman became one of the best-selling albums of all time. But the loss of Bon Scott would not be the band's only dance with death, as they found themselves linked to a serial killer. Then, a packed concert led to a crushing tragedy, and Malcolm was following in Bon's fatal footsteps. But after 50 years of heartbreak and headbanging, ACDC continued to rock. Now, the death-haunted destiny of Hard Rock's most enduring band of survivors, ACDC, behind the music. In 1979, lightning finally struck ACDC. After six years of throwing out sparks, the band's hard-charging, high-decibel rock and roll finally exploded into the mainstream. They weren't glitter rockers, they weren't heavy metal. Their schoolboy drag aside, ACDC were in a class by themselves, with a sound all their own. On stage and off, the band's rough and rowdy lead singer, Bon Scott, was the embodiment of ACDC's power and passion. Bon was becoming a real hero very quickly amongst the, the tougher guys in the audience. They all wanted Bon to drink the wild life, you know, they loved him. Then in 1980, five years after he energized the band, Bon Scott was found dead. Bon Scott died drinking. His death nearly killed the band. I don't think we'll ever get over that one, you know? It's so hard to believe that the next day they're not there. He'd been part of our lives for a long time, you know? I was a bit numb, you know? I was really a bit numb, really. Bon was Bon. He was always the same. And never expecting it to happen to him. It's quite a shock. We wanted to continue the band, but we just didn't um, have the will to at the time. For ACDC, the death of Bon Scott was more than the loss of a bandmate. It was a death in the family. And from the beginning, ACDC was all about family. 
1963, Malcolm and Angus Young's unemployed father moved his family from their native Scotland to Australia. Ten-year-old Malcolm and eight-year-old Angus were a pair of immigrant kids looking to fit in. I had to learn what, how they talked and, you know, because Australia's got a bit mix of American and a bit, you know, the um, old world English. The youngest of eight children, Angus and Malcolm remember a childhood with little money, but a wealth of music. It was just like learning to read to us. It was all part of, you know, it was the norm. You know, we thought everyone was like that. Every few weeks there'd be a party for one reason or another. There was an old piano that we had, somebody would get on that, and they would sing all the old rock songs. Malcolm and Angus grew wild about rock and roll, especially when their older brother George formed his own band. The Easy Beats became a big hit down on you. In the spring of 67, the Easy Beats scored a hit in America when Friday On My Mind went to number 16 on the U.S. singles charts. Angus and Malcolm were inspired by their big brother's rise to stardom. Our family had just arrived in Australia, penniless. In six months later, you got TV cameras outside the doors, you got a famous brother and a famous band. Eager to follow in their brother's footsteps, Malcolm and Angus quit school and joined separate bands. But in 1973, 20-year-old Malcolm suggested to 18-year-old Angus that they join forces. And I thought, well, why not? Better than work, you know? <laughs> we told our parents we were both in the same band. They said, oh, I'll give you a week to survive, because <laughs> we fought all the time. But when Big Brother George came home from a concert tour, he was impressed by what he heard. All of a sudden, the kid brothers were still the kid brothers, but my God, they knew how to play. Angus and Malcolm's band needed a name to match their high-powered sound. Their sister Margaret's sewing machine triggered a flash of inspiration. Well, there was a sewing machine. It had ACDC on the back of it. And uh, we were tossing around names for weeks, and she just said it one night, and everyone went, that's, that's good. The name stuck, as did another gimmick, courtesy of Sister Margaret's sewing machine. She said to Angus, you know, Angus, you're still more like a schoolboy. So, you know, um, yeah, we're a schoolboy uniform. I think she said it jokingly. But the next thing, she was stitching our school suits for him. Yeah, it's a fun thing. You know, I said, oh, you can go as a schoolboy, then you can graduate and come back out in the jeans. <laughs> George, my other brother, he used to try and butter me up. He said, you'll be rich very quick. And of course, you know, at first I believed him, so I thought I'd better earn my keep, you know. In 1974, Brother George and fellow Easy Beats band member Harry Vanda were producing records for a small Australian label. They decided to record ACDC. There was no sort of, do they have it or don't they have it? It was obvious that they had some. ACDC's first single was released in July of 74. The record was a regional hit and led to a small local tour. The brothers Young weren't happy with their lead singer, Dave Evans. You know, he'd go on with his makeup and he'd maybe even blow on kisses. We just grew and grew, not died. Malcolm and Angus were looking for a new frontman when in the summer of 74, their future drove up in the person of Ronald Bon Scott. He was kind of weird. He pulled up in his old beat up 50s car, you know. You, you could barely see, you just saw this sort of maniac head and this 
you know, this crazy guy coming flying down the road. Like the young brothers, Bon Scott was another Scottish immigrant raised in Australia. When we met him for the first time, it was like we'd known him forever. No with Bon, no with us guys. He always became a brother. Bon was a headstrong wild child, bound and determined to be a rock star. All he wanted to do was be the singer in a band. You couldn't stop him once he made up his mind. That was what he wanted to do, and he just did it. Bond dreamed of fame, but found trouble instead. By 1974, he had already served jail time for assaulting a cop and had recently survived a near-fatal motorcycle crash. Bond had already burned out in local bands like the Valentines and Fraternity. To Malcolm and Angus, Bond looked and sounded like a perfect fit for ACDC. We knew Bond could sing rock and roll. And uh, from that point, we kept pestering him, you know, we didn't like to come and, and sing. We just said, do you want to join? Without even playing with the guy. That's how confident we were that uh, he was going to work with it. Angus and Malcolm had no doubts about hiring Bon Scott to front ACDC. Two weeks later, we show up and we go, George, we've got a new singer. And he goes, what? Big brother George felt his little brothers had lost their minds. <laughs> and uh, Bon had, uh, had an earring with a sharp's jaw, I think, hanging off. It was about this big. Lost a couple of teeth from brawling, uh, covers and tattoos. He looked like uh, he'd been around the block more than a few times. George was like, there's your mind, no doubt. He says, that's reshaped the whole thing. You're a real rock and roll band. Coming up, ACDC invades London, and later, death comes calling, when Behind the Music continues. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com by 1974, 21-year-old Malcolm Young and his 19-year-old brother Angus had formed a band and found a frontman. 28-year-old Bond Scott was a perfect fit for ACDC, a hard-rocking, hard-living dynamo. His first appearance with the band was an omen of hell-raising to come. The first gig, you know, he's got a bottle of bourbon and that's, he just, he just juices it all, you know, and then he's got, uh, you know, there's drugs and everything coming in. And I said to Malcolm, I said, it'd be lucky if he can walk, let alone sing, you know. Bon Scott's behavior may have been shocking, but his performance was electric. And we, we heard his voice properly. And, uh, geez, that guy's got some voice. He can scream, a great melody, he's got great feel. ACDC had found their voice. They went into the studio to record their debut album, and in January of 75, the band took their high-voltage act across the Australian club circuit. They were the Aussie bloke's idea of a good time. It was just hard and down and fast and mean. Rib-crunching, skull-crushing, sort of blistering rock and roll. And you know they weren't going to slip in a ballad on you. Having conquered Sydney's music scene, ACDC relocated to Melbourne and retooled the group's lineup. Bon Scott's voice had raised the band to another level, but there was room for improvement. The first High Voltage album had been released, but they were still looking to sort of secure the permanent band members. In early 75, drummer Phil Rudd joined the band in the debauchery. We were living in this house for six months. Still the best days of our lives. There was more action going on there <laughs> than ever since. We drank like it was no tomorrow. We woke up and drank again, and we just continued on like that for a long time. The party continued that spring when ACDC's cover of Baby Please Don't Go went top 10 and became their first nationwide hit. That April, the band made a notorious appearance on Australian television as Bond gave new meaning to the phrase, dress for success. I'll never forget it. On Countdown, Bond dressed in drag, you know? I mean, that was unheard of back then. Bond's drag act served to further ACDC's raucous reputation. And by the summer of 75, they had a gold record and a growing fan base in Australia. ACDC had a young audience, male and female, adoring this band. But as ACDC's second album went to number two in Australia, the band had no intention of remaining local heroes. In early 76, they scored a deal with Atlantic Records to release their music internationally. That spring, ACDC boarded a plane to London, looking to conquer the world. I think it was inevitable that ACDC were gonna outgrow Australia. There, were, there was a whole world waiting for them. Their fast and furious style was a hit in London's burgeoning punk scene, and ACDC was soon headed cross-country to rock the rest of Great Britain. Their reputation as the rude and rowdy band from Australia 
preceded them. I think they thought I was a, some sort of male stripper at some point. I think I played one night in Marquee Nude. I didn't know that, you know, what they arrest people for that. No, I didn't know. ACDC came to be considered less a band than a band of outlaws. On stage, ACDC did everything they could to shock. Off stage, they got serious about their music, working with Angus and Malcolm's older brother, George, who produced their next album, Let There Be Rock. Me and Malcolm said, well, we really want a lot of guitars, you know, big guitars. Released in the summer of 77, Let There Be Rock blasted onto the U.S. charts. ACDC were on the verge of becoming an international hard rock phenomenon. In January of 1979, ACDC began work on an album called Highway to Hell, a title the record company hated from the start. And they freaked with that title. They didn't want that title. And, and I said hogwash. You know. We're calling it Highway to Hell, and that's how it is. When Highway to Hell hit record stores that summer, its title spawned rumors that the wild men of ACDC were devil worshippers. But to ACDC, Highway to Hell was a tribute to the hard life of a touring rock and roll band. If you'd have been on the road with us for those years up to that point, you would have known exactly what we were talking about. After six hard years on the road and in the studio, ACDC's grit and determination were finally paying off. Bon Scott was enjoying the high times. Only for Bon, the high times were even higher. And we go back to the hotel, we said, oh, Bon, you know, it's three in the morning, you know, we've got to crash, we've got to go. And we go, oh, just one more drink. And we'd wake up in the morning, Bon, wake up, oh, oh, oh. Then you get back on these drink. Oh, where were we? <laughs> where they were was on the rise. Highway to Hell raced up the Billboard charts and hit the top 20 as the 70s came to a close. As the 80s began, ACDC looked forward to further rock and roll glory. After seven years and thousands of gigs, from the pubs of Australia to the stadiums of the world, ACDC rode Highway to Hell to international success in the summer of 1979. As the year drew to a close, the decade ahead promised more gold records and good fortune. But the band's exhausting workload and equally intense appetite for drugs and alcohol were taking their inevitable toll. Frontman Bon Scott led the partying as well. No one could stop Bon's wild ways, not even his beloved mother. You didn't tell Ron what to do. I never went too far. I just said I didn't like him drinking, but when they get to that stage, they don't listen to you. <laughs> Under pressure to record a follow-up to Highway to Hell, ACDC returned to London in January of 1980. Malcolm and Angus Young invited Bond to the studio, eager to play him the new music for their next album. They were fantastic. You know, he's looking after himself. And, and yeah, his teeth were all fixed. And he said, you know, we're just about ready for you, Bond. You know, so maybe next week sometime, you know. And of course, it never, it never happened. Bond would never put lyrics to the music Malcolm and Angus had written. On Tuesday night, February 19, 1980, Bond Scott went out drinking in London with a friend. He went out just for a drink, a relaxation, you know, maybe to clear the head, you know, and then look forward to getting into his writing, come up with some ideas, you know. He had it all in front of him. 
On that cold night, Bon Scott was only 33 years old, but his time was running out. After a night of heavy drinking, Bon ended the evening alone, passed out in a car parked outside his friend's house. In the morning, he was found dead. From what I still can gather, he had fallen asleep, you know, in a car and more or less, you know, asphyxiated, you know. He choked through the, through the night, the position he was sleeping. During the night, Bon had apparently vomited in his sleep and choked to death. Angus was the first band member to get the sad news. I had called the guy that was managing us, and he told me you know, that it was true that he had died. So, you know. Angus called me. I was just totally stunned. You can't explain a death and how it affects you. You know, everything just is is numb. It's as simple as that. Wondered, you know, just um, what do you do? Within hours, everyone in the band knew the awful truth, and the media were already flashing the news of Bond's death. Malcolm took it upon himself to notify Bond's family in Australia before the tabloid reporters got to them first. Someone had to tell them, you know, and um, it better come from one of the band than uh, from a newspaper. Over the phone, <laughs> yeah, got a shock of my life. Because I thought it was him on the end of the phone. I just screamed. <laughs> yeah. Most difficult thing I've ever had to do. God knows how they felt. I hope I never have to do anything like that again. The band pulled together and refused all interviews, while Bond's death was sensationalized in the tabloid press. Especially in Britain, they made it a bit of a joke almost, you know. Um, and we've never forgiven them for that. All we were concerned about, mainly at that time, was Bond's parents. They're really nice people. They don't need any A lot of the stories are, I don't know, not, don't, <laughs> not very good reading sometimes, you know. I just had to skip over the bad bits. As the grim news swirled around them, Bond's friends and bandmates dealt with the pain of a crushing blow. I mean, that was Bond's life. I mean, you know, even though he was this sweet, lovely guy, he did drink a lot. He did sort of live the rock and roll lifestyle to its absolute extreme. But, gee, you know, Bond had been drunk before. I mean, you know, I mean, Bond shouldn't have died. It was a loss to us of this incredible character that all of us had embraced and he had embraced us all. Work on ACDC's new album was suspended, and Malcolm and Angus flew home to Australia to lend support to Bond's parents and mourn the loss of a man who had become brother to them. When you're younger, you don't really think that something like death is going to um, touch you. You know, I'd never really had that, you know, a tragedy that close, you know? And especially someone like Bond. It was just one of those things where, you know, one day somebody's there and, and it's so hard to believe that the next day they're not there. On March 1st, 1980, Bon Scott was buried in Fremantle, the town where he was raised. And you go through the motions of the funeral and everything else, but you're just numb. You know, you're just dumbfounded. You can't believe what's really happened, you know. I don't think we'll ever get over that one, you know. We wanted to continue the band, but we just didn't have the will to. Without Bond, the surviving band members believed ACDC was dead, 
But Bond's parents encouraged them to keep the band alive, that Bond would have wanted it that way. Let's, you know, we've got their blessing, you know, so let's go and try and do something. But after five years with Bond Scott up front, raising hell and raising the roof, ACDC's bright future had dimmed, and there was more darkness ahead. Coming up, music for a band in mourning. And later, a serial killer and guilt by association. When Behind the Music continues. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm late. I'm late. Three very important dates. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com in 1980, ACDC was reeling from the loss of their friend and frontman, lead singer Bon Scott. But the band's founding members, Angus and Malcolm Young, were convinced that Bon would have wanted ACDC to carry on. And we all agreed that the last person that would want to see it fold would be Bon. Finding a lead singer to replace Bond Scott was a daunting task. Bond's powerhouse voice and unabashed showmanship had been central to ACDC's success. Their search led them to Brian Johnson. I saw them on television, a program called Rock Goes to College. And I was just transfixed with Angus and Bond. And these two guys up the front were two of the greatest characters I think I'd ever seen, you know, especially Angus, you know, with his antics. And I just, I was hooked. Brian auditioned for a band that was feeling mixed emotions about replacing a friend they had buried only a month earlier. There would never be another bond. But uh, Brian walked in one day for an audition. He just felt really comfortable with him, and, and again, he could sing his balls out. 
ACDC hired Brian in April of 1980 and got down to the task of making their first album without Bon Scott. The music of the album, its title, and its cover were all dedicated to Bon's memory. He wanted it just a simple black cover. We wouldn't have even done justice in words. Also, even, you know, with the bell and the beginning of the Hell's Bells, is our own little tributes. During the emotional sessions for Back in Black, Brian Johnson stepped up to the microphone and into Bon Scott's shoes. I remember just going up there and just uh, just crossing my fingers and just belting my lungs out as high and as hard as I could with as much feeling as I could. I mean, I wanted to impress these guys. As Brian and the band prepared for the upcoming Back in Black tour, there was apprehension about how their new lead singer would be accepted by the fans. Brian was very worried, you know, at the time. And, uh, but we thought, well, you just hang in there, Brian. You just do what you do best. It was the first time ever I'd be singing some of Bond's songs. Nerve-wracking it was, real nerve-wracking. Those kids... You know, in the first gig we did, those fans were there with good luck, Brian, you know, you know, best, best wishes. There was banners everywhere at that first show. The fans were still with ACDC, and now there would be millions more of them. Released in the summer of 1980, Back in Black sold 16 million copies to become one of the 10 best-selling albums in rock and roll history. To come back that strong with a new vocalist is an absolutely remarkable feat for them to accomplish. ACDC's musical memorial to Bon Scott hit the top five on three continents, and that fall, Back in Black spawned the band's first top 40 single. The album's phenomenal success proved an impossible act to follow. After Back in Black, it was so huge. The world was waiting for this, you know, for this follow-up, and I just don't think you can do it. The stock market, the dead's gonna fall down sometime, you know. I mean, <laughs> but falling album sales were only the start of a streak of bad luck that would haunt ACDC throughout the 80s. In the spring of 1985, ACDC became linked to the investigation of a murder case in California. Upon investigating that murder, one of the pieces of evidence that was left behind was they had uh, bearing the letters ACDC on it. In an attempt to track down the infamous killer known as the Night Stalker, homicide detective Gil Carrillo released a picture of the hat to the press. What the significance was, was trying to get attention through the media to see if anybody knew somebody that wore an ACDC hat that might call. Sharon, Private Martinez, help you. The county was held uh, in terror. They were full of fear. While law enforcement pressed their manhunt for the mystery man suspected in 13 brutal murders, the press built up the serial killer's link to ACDC. press assumed an awful lot, and the press put a lot more to the significance of the hat than the homicide investigators. On August 31st, the Night Stalker was finally arrested. The press reported that Richard Ramirez, a confessed Satanist, was inspired by ACDC. I thought it was a joke at first. And we just thought, this is crazy. <clears throat> I mean, what, what, why are we connected anyway? Reporters analyzed the lyrics to the ACDC song Night Prowler for connections to the Night Stalker. That song is not called Night Stalker, it's called Night Prowler. And it's about things you used to do when you were a kid, like <clears throat> sneaking in your girlfriend's bedroom window and their parents were asleep. <laughs> it, it just sickens you, you know? It sickens you to have anything to do with that kind of thing. 
The media frenzy surrounding the Ramirez case horrified the band. As the press played up the satanic angle, it was suggested that ACDC's name stood for Antichrist, Devil's Children. It's been called everything since, you know, ACDC, the meaning of the letters, you know. No matter, you tell them a sewing machine story and everything, they still think, no, there's more to this. And I don't know why they zeroed in on us. I could never see the connection myself. But the negative press surrounding the Night Stalker case had already done its damage. That same year, ACDC found themselves at the center of another controversy when the Parents Music Resource Center, led by a group of U.S. senators' wives, including Tipper Gore, placed ACDC at the top of a list of artists they deemed obscene. You got idiots like Tipper Gore, who really is a twit. The attacks on ACDC continued through the mid-80s, but the band ignored their critics and focused their energy on a string of gold records and one concert tour after another. As long as we got clubs to play, well, we cool, you know? If we could play all around the world in clubs, hey, what a life. <laughs> so we were never, you know, felt defeated. Still, the years since Bon Scott's death had taken a toll on Malcolm. His drinking had steadily increased, and in April of 88, he finally bottomed out. My drinking overtook, you know, my whole thing. And I felt like, um, Almost Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, you know? On stage, Malcolm tried to keep it together, but off stage, he was unraveling. In the middle of the band's Blow Up Your Video tour, Malcolm realized he couldn't take it anymore. So I had a talk with Angus and um, he said, how did you feel if I could uh, at least take a break? I think he was worried about me, that uh, he'd be disappointing me. But he turned and he said, look, I'm, I'm going to... You know, I'll have to stop, you know, because if I continue, he, he, you know, he felt he'd become a casualty, you know. He was a big enough man to turn around and say, you know, I can't cope with this. So I was letting people down. I was making people get worried about me. I wasn't brain dead, but I I was just physically and mentally uh, screwed by the, by the alcohol. The brothers recruited their nephew Stevie to play for Malcolm while he fought to get sober. In time, with the help of Alcoholics Anonymous, Malcolm was able to put down the bottle and pick up the guitar. That did it. That, that got me right. It, um, it, it put me on track, you know? It, it woke me right up. God knows what he went through. But um, whatever it was, uh, he, he, fixed, he fixed himself better than ever, you know? A re-energized Malcolm joined the sessions for ACDC's 14th album in 1989. Razor's Edge would slash its way to the second spot on the U.S. album charts and sell over three million copies. It was all back to normal, like, you know, so uh, that's about all I can say about that, you know. It's, it was a detour, a bad detour I had to take, you know. And uh, so I could I, I never go that way again. Malcolm had saved his own life, but death had not yet finished haunting ACDC. On January 18, 1991, a concert in Salt Lake City, Utah, turned into a nightmare. Terrible nights, terrible nights. Not forget as long as I live. The concert had barely begun when tragedy struck. Seating was not reserved, so that night, as the doors opened, 13,000 eager fans rushed forward to claim seats near the front of the stage. 
three fans were trampled to death in the stampede. At the time, ACDC didn't know the full story. And I got uh, well, there's one dead, and I, that was it. I just sat there and I just, tears. Angus was just beside himself. I could see he was well enough. Mal had tried to hold it together as best he could. The band wanted to stop the show, but were advised to play on to avoid further chaos. When they later learned that three fans had been crushed to death, they were heartbroken. I think what hurt most is the next day in the newspapers, there was a band played on where kids died about them and they had a photograph of me with a smile on my face. It was just journalistic opportunity that just went beyond the bounds of decency. You know, I was just so angry and hurt. To make matters worse, the band faced lawsuits claiming that they were responsible for the fatalities. The lawsuits were coming flying at us from every angle. It was a feeding frenzy, really. Well, I think at the end of the day, it's your name on the ticket, you know, and it's your name that they, that they see. By spring of 91, the court dismissed ACDC from a wrongful death lawsuit brought by the father of one of the three teenagers killed in Salt Lake City. For ACDC, the 1990s, like the 80s, had begun on a dismal note. Hopefully, their luck would change in the decade to come. After a tragic concert in Salt Lake City in January of 1991, ACDC was hoping for a fresh start in the new decade and a chance to put their often painful past behind them. In September of 91, Russian President Boris Yeltsin invited ACDC to headline a free concert for young Russians who had helped to block a communist coup. When we arrived in Moscow, getting off the plane, uh, there was just so many people. They, it was like they just stopped work. On the night of September 28, 1991, over a million Russians rocked with ACDC at a former Soviet air base. That was a great gig. I remember walking on there and just, uh, my heart was beating, you know. I mean, it was just forever. Forever. The band left Moscow with a renewed sense of optimism. For ACDC, it had been a long, hard highway to hell from Australia to Russia. 17 years of heartbreak and hit records. In the year 2000, ACDC released their 17th album, Stiff Upper Lip. Even after all that time, they were still the same hard rockers as when they formed the band back in 1973. They went on to release the Black Ice album in 2008, which would turn out to be Malcolm Young's last. With a diagnosis of early Alzheimer's disease, he would be unable to continue on with the band. In 2014, it was decided that his nephew, Stevie Young, would take his place for their upcoming Rock or Bust album and tour. Malcolm died in 2017 at 64 years old. In 2020, the group released Power Up, a tribute to the late Malcolm Young. After almost 50 years, Crowd still can't get enough of ACDC's explosive, electrifying rock and roll. The legacy of Bon Scott and Malcolm Young lives on as the group continues to rock on.
Listen to Behind the Music on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Want more episodes? You can watch Remastered, Best of the Vault, and new episodes of Behind the Music only on Paramount+. Plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.